Jeff here. Thanks for listening. Go to playvolutionhq.com slash ccbag or click the link in the show notes for the show's archives, ways to connect, ways to support the show, information about happy hour, and more. Mexico. We've got another child care bar and grill happy hour going on. We've got Clivette with me and Sally with me. We'll see if anybody else shows up. Um, you guys, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, balancing work and life in a moment. But I got a I got a I got a um a, a thing a thing happened the other day. I was out for a, an early morning bike ride. It's about four fifteen, maybe it was four ten, maybe it was four thirty in the morning. Out for a bike ride before it gets hot. It was like eighty percent humidity and and uh, ninety degrees out, but it's not hot yet and it's still dark, so it's great. And I'm I'm riding along and I'm. I've got a I've got a nice glow on me. Um, I, I don't sweat. I glow, and uh, and then I go through, I go through this swarm of little micro flying insect natty guys, and I could feel like four hundred and fifty three of them just splatter on my on my face as I'm riding along, and my eyelids and everything. And it was. Did you have your mouth open? Uh, no, I didn't. I've learned. <laughs> I was about to ask um, the same thing. It, but but it was just and it was I, I'm wiping my I, oh, it was it was very very uncomfortable. Um, so that happened, and I just thought everybody needed to know about it. They probably don't. Um, what was your any any interesting bug based experiences in your lives? Mm. I mean. Totally gross. I live in a house. It's a really old house. And I don't know if it's because it's hot now, but those giant, like my husband calls them the like sewer roaches. I always see them out in the street. They've been coming into my freaking house. And I saw one in the hallway and I have the little sensor lights that I glued onto the ceiling or the wall. And I just see this little thing crawling and it went back under the wall and I was hitting it and trying to get it out. And I found a few and it's gross and I get scared, but. Ugh. I think if they're big enough, you could, you could give them to the kids as pets, right? They're, I mean, no one can see this, but what? About two, two and a half, three, three inches? inches. Yeah. 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 And but they I, have wings. I would pref- and what if it flies on me? I'm not taking that risk. <laughs> that's a fair assessment i mean once they fly on you it, it's game over yeah oh, you, you don't like well, I, I it's as long as they're dead drowning in your sweat i've got no problem with them <sighs> flying on me i would prefer would you prefer do you prefer one big bug or a bunch of little ones i'd prefer a single big bug than than being hit in the face with all the little ones um that's a tough one 
I almost want to say tiny little bugs because they're little bugs are less scary than big bugs. Well, I have yeah, a feeling actually, you've never seen the mummy. The mummy. <laughs> I have. Yeah. The one where it's like, oh, I don't know, I guess. Okay. Maybe one big one. Sally, what's your what's your bug? What's your bug game? Um, I have severe arachnophobia. Okay, no, not I don't have arachnophobia. Scorpions are fine. I cannot can can not do spiders. Period stop. Both of my children know this. Um, when we were living in Florida, I was going to like fluff the sheets on my bed and Florida wolf spiders, and I'm getting very uncomfortable just even talking about this story, um, but Florida wolf spiders are about the size of your palm, um, the palm of an adult, uh, slightly <laughs> bigger once they reach their, their full size. Um, anywho, it was in my bed, and I didn't know I could scream like that. And my two-year-old, who's now 15, but my two-year-old comes running in the room and he goes, what is it, mommy? I was like, I just pointed. I didn't have words. He was like, I got you. And he, and he got a broom and like <laughs> obliterated my mattress until the spider was dead. And I called my husband. I was crying. It was a whole thing. Um, so bugs, fine. Spiders, I'm out. <laughs> All right. Hey, listeners. Um I want to know your spider thoughts. Um, you can hit me up at the uh, the text or voicemail line if you got spider thoughts. I, I'm I'm pro bug. I think they're I think they're mostly delightful. Um, I'd prefer them to more small mammaly things, but uh, I you know I, and insects have never done me wrong except for a couple of bee stings and stuff like that. But uh, um, I'd prefer them not committing suicide uh, kamikaze like on my face when I'm just trying to. <laughs> trying to get some cardio in um let's t let's talk about oh let's talk about uh what we're talking about we're talking about uh uh balancing work and home so um i've i've i'm actually kind of clevette threw me this uh this topic i think it's a great one uh it's something we've touched on on the show in the past but i think it always um re deserves more talk i've I've kind of i've written two caregiver burnout books and i'm kind of uh selfishly wanting to talk about this topic because i'm gonna over the winter i'm gonna be revising uh those books and i'm gonna i'm gonna be looking for uh people's thoughts and experiences with balancing work and home and burnout and all those things so hit me up at the uh, text message or send me a voicemail if you've got a story to share so what what's uh um, you have what the, the two of you, what do you, do you struggle with balancing work and home or is it easy peasy or what's the sitch? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's both. I think some days it's like, I've got this, just going to turn that off and go home. But then other days it's kind of like not. So, can... oh, go ahead, Sally. Oh, I was just gonna say I can totally agree with that. Um, even though I'm no longer in a program now, when I was, it was by the time I got home, I was completely mommed out, right? I, I had used all my mom dollars and um trying to find the balance in that was extremely difficult for me. And I still find it now, finding the balance between turning it off, but still giving it your all while you're at work and then coming home and giving you're all there it's those equations don't exactly equal each other 
so was it more work coming home with you being the problem or home coming to work with you? Because that imbalance can go can go both ways. We can show up for for work and have a room full of uh, toddlers that are wanting our undivided attention and be mentally dealing with something that went on at home with our own sweetie pie or our kids or the dog or whatever it was. Um, and so which, which direction does the, does the stress and imbalance tend to tend to be for you guys? I think for me, even if I were to bring work home, I learned that, okay, when I get home, I can't do it. Like there's no freaking way because you know, four other people here are going to be wanting my attention and then I'm going to get frustrated and then it's just, you know, shit's going to hit the fan. So I think I learned that through trial and error and I realized like I can't do that. Like it's not fair for them and it's not fair for me. Um, but I think for me, it's hard because you go from like being usually mostly patient at work and, you know, kind of being like, welcoming and all that stuff and then it's you know at some point at least for me I turn that off a little bit but I don't get time to kind of reset and just a break for me because it's like okay I'm off work I gotta go pick up my kids we're home let's make like it's a non-stop thing so there's no time to kind of just practice self-care or you know just do a reset where like take a deep breath and like okay let's do this shit and go and no there's none of that for me go ahead no i completely agree clevet and then you know then comes in the mom guilt because you're like okay well i didn't turn it off all the way or you know (laughs) i didn't hit my reset button and now you said mom 15 times in 45 seconds and you're like what what do you need (laughs) um so I, i i can definitely relate to that and and it's when we look at that work-life balance and, and how to quote unquote flip the switch, it's a little different when you work in early childhood and mm-hmm. to any other job because the amount of emotional um, currency is being used on a daily basis. And, and what does that look like, especially today? I mean, we have teachers who are so taxed coming out of COVID and so taxed with the strain of the economy and what it's doing to our childcare programs, our childcare learning institutions, what, where's the, where's the final straw that breaks the camel's back and how do we take some of that off before we get there? Yeah. Yeah. I think another problem is that, I mean, you mentioned flipping a switch, turning it off, leaving decide, but we can, we can think we've flipped that switch, but that stuff is still in our head. And it's 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 with us um finding finding that time for self-care often becomes a real challenge for caregivers because they are they are always for the most part in my experience of uh, beyond ready to put somebody else's needs in front of their own um Mm -hmm. one thing i one thing i ask when i'm when i'm doing uh burnout trainings is I ask people to make a list of everything in the last seven days they did for other people. And then a corresponding list of everything in that same seven days that they did just for themselves. And, oh, you're, I can see you thinking about it, Sally. What would your list look like? <laughs> um, One would be really long and one would be extremely, um, it would be like a dot, 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 ellipsis, stinking, 
calculate. Mm-hmm. Hold and on. I, I'm guessing that's the self care one, right? Loading. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, it's definitely something. It's a journey I'm working on. And, and I've I've done the, I've I've asked this question in in rooms full of four or five hundred people, and 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 then I asked for some some feedback on this. And some people, uh, some they struggle to find something that they did for themselves. And and somebody always says, "Well, I took a shower," and and the thing is that personal hygiene is not just for them. It's it's totally for for the rest of us, right? Um, I mean. I mean, um, it absolutely is. And when, when when my kids were young, uh, my wife Tasha, she would she would go in to take a shower, and she would be go, she would go in multiple towels. All, I mean, she would be gone for forever. It seemed like um, mostly because I was alone with the kids and not mom. And and she she would come back and she would be pleasant because that was for a while her only alone mm-hmm. time and and so i get that that can be a chance to reset but if if like personal hygiene is all you're doing for yourself in the course of a week you need to think about doing a little bit more for yourself probably but but because we fill up our our calendars our schedules with all the stuff we say yes to that other people ask us to do it's really really hard to find that that time I think also, like personally for me, going through my my journey to self care, it's a journey to get there. That one day self care will be something Barbara mm-hmm. does. Sally does. Anyway, <laughs> can we edit that? Anyhow, nope. <laughs> um, one of the she things that I, I did. The movie yeah. just came out. Did you see yeah. it? It was great. Anyway, <laughs> um, one of the things I think about is the generational shift and the expectation and I know is so fantastic that the amount of male figures in ECE is growing and I think it's fantastic and I think it needs to continue happening until you know we have it overflow um but we still deal with a predominantly female conglomeration of early childhood educators and that mind frame and a very, very quick, fast, sudden generational shift between stay-at-home mom and what that means to working mom and what that means to, well, you can't do just one or the other. You have to do both and how to, how to break down that paradigm, how to have that paradigm shift to it is okay to take a break it is okay to say no you got your time you got to ride home in the car with no one talking to you congratulations my turn i'm going to go sit over here for what was my car drive and then we can do this together and trying to figure out how to empower early childhood educators to just say no sure if that makes sense what do you think clavette um yeah I, and I think it's hard because there's so many factors to it. It's not just like self-care too. It could be like your family dynamics. It could be so many things. Like, so I think it's, it's hard, but I guess one step at a time. Are, are you, are you good at saying no, or do you struggle with it? I'm better. I'm better. It, um, it takes, it takes practice, huh? Yeah. 
It does. I think setting any kind of boundary um, takes a lot of practice. But maybe we all need to go to like preschool again and have good educators as adults and be like, it's okay. Like, t tell them, tell them you don't want to. I think maybe we need to kind of relearn that. Or maybe well, some I mean, of us never even got that because we had teachers who always told us what to do. Who knows? Well, sure. I mean, and and toddlers get this bad reputation. They they get labeled as the the terrible twos because that's when they one of the, one of the first words kids learn is no, no. And yeah. I mean that is that is or why? Totally, yeah, <laughs> the, the the no is a totally empowering goal. Um, and so I think we should we should embrace that and 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 you know helping kids embrace the power of no when they're young and, and connecting that to things like uh, they're kind of off topic for this episode, but things like consent is, is yeah. valuable, but, but that does have a direct impact on, on their, their, their relationships and their ability to, to set boundaries and all, all those kind of things. I, I wish I would have been better at saying no back in my, my early days as a program director, because it just about killed my marriage. Um, because I'm, I'm working 12 to 16 hours a day trying to get this program started. And, and then soon after that, my wife starts working for me and eventually becomes my, my assistant and we're going to work and working with smiley faces all day and then going home and sometimes <laughs> barely talking to each other. And you look, we can, you can love working with children and you can feel called to the early learning profession. But if you're allowing that work to break your primary adult relationships, um, you're really doing yourself a disservice. When I was, mm -hmm. when I was working on my, my first burnout book, I was, I like, uh, um, had Tasha read something and she's like, you know, it got to the point where I didn't like you anymore. I still, I still loved you, but I didn't like who, who the burnout was turning you into um, because, because our personalities shift when we're not making time for, for that renewal and to, to fill up our reserves of emotional energy. A few years later during a, during a presentation I'm doing, I talked about how if we, if we would have stayed in that center director, that center job for a few more years, because I burnt out and quit and that's, and then she quit the next day. And that's how we found ourselves our way into family childcare. I said, if we, we would stay there for another couple of years, it would have, would have carried, killed our marriage. And she was, she was standing in the corner and she, she chirped up in front of 300 people and said, wouldn't have taken that long. Um, <laughs> and, and I mean, it was, it was great. Um, and, and, and true. Um, and look, she's the most important Do you think you were like self-aware of all of that though? Like, did you really realize it or did it take like Tasha telling you to kind of take a step back and analyzing it? I was not aware that I was burning out until the moment after I quit a job that I loved, had worked at for 16 years and was for early learning, uh, pretty well compensated for. I quit like that because my, my experience is that that people burn out in in two ways. One is like a balloon popping. You just have this realization mm -hmm. one day that pop and and you just realize, hey, I'm burnt out. Um, and you realize it's been going on for years. And then the other way is the way it happened to Tasha, which is kind of like you like you letting the air out of a so balloon. You know that cheating. thing, you make that yeah. fart noise um, slowly. <laughs> and then you feel every painful moment of it. 
And I don't think either one is is better or worse. They're just the, the kind of the different ways people feel this because some people they they feel this agony for years that they're burnt out and they know it and they can't or won't or feel like they can't do anything about it. Um, and and it, either way, it ends up being a painful struggle because when that balloon popped for me, I realized I'd been a total dick for three years to a lot of people I really cared about. I'm sorry. You're saying that's changed now. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I saw the opportunity. No, no. Now I am. I've, I've, I've grown. Now he's with aware of it. Yeah. Yes. I'm, aware, I'm aware of it and have learned to live with it. It's intentional. Um, almost embraced it. Um, so, I mean, it can be, it can be a tough, tough thing. Can I, can I put words to a second for you talking about, um, feeling comfortable saying something about the burnout happening and how do teachers today, how do educators today have that conversation um, with higher ups? Because a lot of times we, we find this, this unconscious power struggle happening in early childhood programs. And I know that there were several programs I worked in where I didn't speak up because I knew if I did, the challenge would cost me to either lose my job, get my hours reduced, something of that nature. And I knew those kids needed me. I knew I was one of the few teachers in that program that was actually fighting for them and not, you know, there for my paycheck. So I would, I would kind of shut up and put up and what is, what is something that we can say to these educators to to help build that tenacity to have those conversations, uh, those very difficult conversations with um, with those who perceivably have more power in their programs. I hope Clevet has an answer because I <laughs> I don't. I don't know. You wrote Thank three books. Well, yeah. Oh, she I ran away. I'm locking my door because my Three kids. We're talking about burnout here. Hey, well, yeah. Look, if you've got a if you've got to lock yourself if you've got to lock yourself in a room to get a little bit of alone time from and 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 look, this is totally a thing too, right? Because I talked to like especially like family child care providers. The
can be a little bit of balm on on the the wound of of burnout, I guess. So you're saying that we need to stick together, advocate, and fight for change. Easy peasy, right? She has her, I'm sorry, which flashcard did you just read that off of? <laughs> that was so beautifully put. It was... Leave it That's what I was thinking when you were saying that because, I don't know, I mean, when I hear both of you talk, like so many things are running through my head, but um, I think maybe nobody takes us seriously quote um especially in our burnout because i think early childhood educators i don't know it's been my experience that we're not really taken serious like it's not a serious profession even though people have degrees and credentials and permits and all you know hours and years of experience and it's still not like quote good enough or you're not a real teacher or and I think maybe that's why they they believe that, oh, well, how could you be so exhausted or burned out when you're not really working? It's, you know, you're, or you're just playing all day or all, and I'm, don't you, I can't. Well, well, well sure. And this, this, this is a, a big thing for relationships, I think. Um, because somebody working in this field will spend a whole day working with children and doing all of the emotional as well as physical work involved, and then go home yeah. to somebody who doesn't understand that this work is actually work. And that that can set up relationship fireworks at, at some point, because, you know, all you did was play with the kids all day. Why are you tired? Why isn't dinner ready? Um, mm. for, for example, and, and you, you try to explain, but you're a caregiver and you're, you're kind of wired to see both sides of situations and want everybody to be happy. And, and so you have a, a hard time maybe standing up for yourself or standing your ground or, or stating your My position. nine-year-old told me that one time. He's like, why are you so tired? You're just playing. Got my little finger up and I was like, excuse me? Oh, what did you just yeah. say? <laughs> and then you give that nine-year-old like, a 15-minute lecture. Yeah. And I was like, first of all. <laughs> yes. It's so easy to get up on the soapbox with your children because doing what we do, right? They're like, you watch me do what I do every day. Surely you, child, completely understand all of the developmental domains of why I do what I do. You watch me do it. So I'm going to explain to you from A to Z. And then you yes. catch yourself. You're like, wait a minute. Wait I, I a told minute. him, why do you think you love boxes and rocks and dirt? You're welcome. Yes. And then the kid is like, mom, I just wanted more toast. Right? He's like, I, he's like, sorry, please. So, who do you want to be appreciate? Who, who, who would you like to appreciate you? Me, I think, I think me. Yeah, I think we need to appreciate ourselves and what we do, but also everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how are you going to make that happen? I don't know. I, what did I say, Sally? We got to stick together and advocate for change. Stick so, together, but, and but first we got to figure out what kind of what kind of change you want, and the change you sound—it sounds um, like you want—is for everybody to appreciate you. Um, I think I would want. I always, I always joke, and I tell my boss this. I'm like, what if we just buy body cams 
and just wear them all day long. And then you can show them to your whoever is above you so they can really see what we do all day long. You know, it's it's hard work. It's like emotionally draining. It's it's a lot. And I think a lot of people don't. The body cam would be smeared with snot after four and a half minutes. So that would be hard. Yeah. I, I interrupt that you. That is people a dry, crusty film. I mean, I take, I take um, boogers over pee or poop, so, or vomit. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just wipe yeah. it. Yeah. You got to have, maybe your body cam will have a windshield wiper kind of thing on it, <laughs> uh, automatic lens cleaner. Um, so I, I think one of the things programs, need to do and look i'm in no place to dictate what programs do but one thing that would benefit programs because my experience is programs are just about always struggling with either finding or keeping staff uh one of the things programs could do to make inroads on both those fronts is to be more proactive about caregiver self-care and right into their policies and procedures, um, some kind of policies and procedures about how they're going to help staff deal with the the physical and emotional drain that comes from this work. And I've been, I've been, look, anybody that listens to the show knows that over the last six months, I've been doing a deep dive into, into program handbooks, and I have come across exactly zero that have any any policies or procedures specifically around this topic when it is a huge topic. I mean, the best numbers out there are that 30 to 40% of people in the early learning profession leave the profession annually for a burnout-related issue. And so that's that's huge turnover. And if we were a little bit more thoughtful about managing our helping staff manage their their emotional state we would be doing them a, a great service and that's a, that's almost an additional employee benefit oh absolutely um mm -hmm. i actually had a program i didn't get to work for this program i wish um i actually had a program that a friend of mine worked for where it was built in it was part of their employee contract that they were only to work four days a week and they had mm -hmm. taken a 40-hour salary and spent it over 32 hours so that they would still receive that 40-hour salary. Mm -hmm. And they had a rotating basis where every week you only worked four days and you had a three-day weekend. But I was thinking about it, Jeff, while you were talking about it. And the way that the these programs are built, having been in administration myself, I didn't... I work 60 hour days, right? As most uh, family home cares do. I didn't give myself self care. So I think that there might be, and, and I'm sure many, many mm -hmm. program directors, assistant directors, administrators listen to this podcast. There needs to be a moment of allowance for yourself. You can't, while we are as a body typically more giving to others, that mind frame of giving to others tends to lean to clientele, the children, the parents, um, and that we're all in this sort of troop together and we must all fight together to stay together. And until the 
administrator, the program director, the assistant director, whoever it is that's making these kinds of decisions steps back and decides to give themselves self-care, that importance is not going to then flow out to the educators who are burning out just as much as the administrators are. Sure. I, I, I mean, it's got, it's got to be intrinsically motivated, right? <laughs> we can, we can look for this, this, this extrinsic motivation that, that, you know, the boss or our sweetie pie or whoever is, is directing us to focus on self-care. But if it's not, if it's not us initiating that effort, it's probably not something we're going to be really passionate or stick to it uh, it what what am I uh, I forgot English for a second. Um, it's not something we're <laughs> going to be passionate about or be able or willing to to stick to unless it's kind of intrinsically motivated, and and finding that that motivation to take care of yourself can be hard for people. The 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 reasons I hear most frequently that that people don't make time for their own own care is that that one. They don't feel like they have the time, which is which is generally bullshit because you can put down your phone and stop stop looking at cat videos for ten minutes and take a little bit of care for care of yourself. But then the other other thing I hear is is people don't feel that they're worth it. They don't have enough self value mm -hmm. to feel that they are worth that investment of ten or twenty minutes a day for self care and and emotionally that's got to be a really a really tough place to to be. It's a podcast. You can't just nod your head. You got to say <laughs> I'm trying to think of them. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I agree, but I feel like I keep I keep going back to the whole being self aware thing, but not just of when you need a break, but knowing how you're feeling when you're on the way there or before you get there to avoid kind of having like a, you know, inner tantrum or meltdown or that kind of like um, frustration or um, at least for me, like it's been hard um, really identifying and like knowing what I'm feeling like, okay, you know, when this kid said that, like, got me really frustrated and I just need to, you know, take some deep breaths and I'll get over it or mm -hmm. kind of learning how to do those things too. Um, it might not prevent burnout, but at least maybe you'll feel a little less shitty and a little less pissed off and just, you know, kind of remember why you are going to work every day or if you're home, like make it through the day or, um, I don't know. And I, will... and I think learning how to just make time, I think what you said is important. Like, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, 20 minutes or even five minutes, like, and, and if you'd keep doing that and um, just keep practicing it, I think it'll become easier with time and you'll feel less bad eventually. I say we could do it kind of like uh, Jeff's, uh, what was it? Push-ups, sit-ups. You added one a day. Mm -hmm. so it's yeah. one more minute a day or if you're that yes. mom it's one more second a day like you're looking at the clock <laughs> waiting until your you time is over <laughs> but I think I think that whole self-aware portion of it is can actually be a tool if we're looking at how 
we're talking about social emotional development today, we have all these different programs out there. Um, the first one that comes to mind for me is conscious discipline, uh, making yourself a making or teaching children how to be aware of their emotions, right? We want to teach them what they are, what they look like, what the words are that go to it. And one of the things we do in any other thing that we teach in the classroom is model. Mm-hmm. So what if we put it to this, to the mind frame of, I am feeling frustrated. Let me put words to the fact that I'm feeling frustrated and show you that this is what my face looks like when I'm frustrated. Let me talk. And maybe by coining in the component that you're actually educating someone, someone else, you start educating yourself. Um, somebody mm-hmm. told me I'm going the wrong direction, but I feel like with those listening to, to it's like, re, super jabber, like, like reparenting. I know like when it comes to parenting, sometimes things that maybe you didn't, you know, receive or need it as a child, but then as a parent, like you kind of start doing it with your children, but you, you're also kind of reparenting your like inner child and at the mm-hmm. same time. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that. So yeah, I, I think if you, if you can't if you can't devote yourself to to self care for yourself, if you can devote yourself to self care because you feel it's better for somebody else, that's a starting point. I now look, I I prefer you just to do it because you are worth it and deserve it and need it. But if you got to use the kids or your own kids or your you you know your relationship with your cat will be better if you take care of yourself. That's a that's a good jumping in point. And and I think I think Sally the 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 idea of of using my my push up model as a as a place to start is 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 it, it makes sense because 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 really what you have to do is you have to build the habit of mm-hmm. self care. Um, because if, if, if those are muscles, if the self-care muscles are muscles, you haven't flexed, you've got to exercise them and you can't wait for somebody else to come along and, and tell you to, to do push-ups or take care of yourself. You've got, again, that intrinsic motivation, you've got to be the one that starts that. And, and so my, my big thing is, you know, I used to say, start out with, with five or 10 minutes every day. But for some people that that's too that's too big a ask. And um, if you look at the the research on on building habits, um, one of the key components is to start small. And so if if five minutes seems like Jeff, there's no fucking way I've got five minutes in my day for myself. Um, start with 30 seconds, 30 seconds mm-hmm. where you close your eyes and you calm your breathing and you focus on whatever it is I mean, your happy place i guess and and get yourself centered before you go off on your day is is a starting point and and my experience is is that cuz i look i used to do no self care and now i i feel some days like that's all i do um but <laughs> but when you when you start building that habit um you start to crave it and that 30 seconds turns into three minutes, turns into 30 minutes. And in my experience and, and what I hear from other people who've, who've kind of worked on this is that, that over time, you find more time because you become more effective at because you're, you're functioning as a better version of yourself through the rest of your day because you've taken care of yourself. And so you, it's, you're able to find more time because you're, you're, you're making better decisions and more efficient decisions and you're acting more thoughtfully throughout your day because you've invested that little bit of time in taking care of yourself. 
that makes mm, sense? I have a good analogy mm-hmm. here. All right, we talk about children need to move, right? We mm-hmm. we know this. Expecting them to sit still is ridiculous. Um, but if they don't move, what happens? We get frustrated because they can't. They well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if we don't break, what happens? We die. burn out. So oh. exactly, everybody's dying. It's just. It's a wasteland. Zombies rise because we still got work to do. Um, (laughs) So maybe putting in that mind frame, I'm just trying to think like to the early childhood educators that I speak with on a regular basis. Like if I was talking to them, how would I make this? And one thing I will say, while I am not in any way trying to toot a horn or anything, but while I am adept at initiating change for others I am absolutely horrible at initiating change for myself one thing I can do however is take somebody else's idea and run with it like if they give me advice if they say something that makes that little ding fries are done um go off then I'm like oh that actually makes sense and I'm able to use it so I'm trying to find the little, the ding moments for all those people sitting out there going with the, but I can't, but I, this, but I, and, and they're, they're butting all of it um, to go, wait, oh, that actually sounds useful. Or that's something that I could, I could actually try and to put in the mind frame that children need to move. You need to go, <laughs> you need to go sit down. You need to go mm-hmm. breathe. You need to go read a book. You need to go take a 45 minute shower, which I could not imagine being in the that long. No, just said moving it up to 30 minutes and I literally gasped for breath. Like the idea that I would spend 30 minutes on j- just me. Sure. It, it's it's a form. I think I think maybe, you know, somebody could even start with just you know, if you like to write write down a list of what you actually enjoy that doesn't involve anybody else or if you don't want to write just think about it. And I think you'll realize like, holy shit, that list is pretty freaking small. Like, what do I actually like to do or what makes me happy? Like, I think a lot of us are so used to just going or thinking about other people or, you know, whatever it is that you kind of forget that you're also an individual, not just a mom or a husband or a podcast person or, you know, like a director or whatever it is, like you're also your own being. And I think a lot of the times we forget that. So I think we need to go back and like find a route that we like and and just go from there. And if it's baking, like bake a cake on the weekend. Or, you know, if you like running, like get up early or run at night or run, you know, whenever you can. I think just finding those little like things that make you happy and that you just really like that bring you joy to your life and just doing them. Yeah, because because what works as self-care for one person may be very stressful for another person. Yeah. Listeners, um, with that in mind, if you if you like to bake as a way of self-care, but you you worry about having all these baked goods around and not wanting to consume all those calories and everything, you can send your baked goods to me, uh, Jeff Johnson, <laughs> care of the Child Care Bar and Grill, P.O. Box 1008, Long Beach, Mississippi, 39560. I'll be happy to eat your baked goods and save you from having to do that. Um I'm going to little... send you my 13-year-old's uh, crispy burnt cookies next time. Then. Sure. Careful what you wish for. 
Sure. No, I'll, I'll look. Some people worry about eating strange things that comes in the mail. I will eat anything um, and then talk about it. Um, so there you go. If, if any of if any of you are looking at at trying to put me down by poisoning me with baked goods, there's your <laughs> there's your in, I guess. Um, so as I will, that was I will not my totally, idea. I will totally there's not one like calories. Pissed off, avid podcast listener, going yes, yeah, baked goods for Jeff. <laughs> No, are I'll, they I'll, chocolate I'll, chips? Look, I don't think so. I'll let the I'll let the dog sample things first. Um, so <laughs> this can be this can be a big thing, and and finding that time. Um, and I think we we talk about relationships. I think you know making sure you're making time for those primary adult relationships, whether it's your sweetie pie or your your best friend or whatever. Because when when we burn out, we kind of get these blinders on, and all we see what's right in front of us, and that's that's usually the work. And we we lose we lose contact with uh, with people and and things we care about, but it, it's really easy to neglect those relationships. Um, after after I learned that that Tasha didn't like me anymore and that she would have divorced me if I wouldn't have quit being such a dick, um, you know, my my goal since then has been being a version of myself that she likes and. Um, I, I, I think I'm getting better at it, but I'm always trying to, to get, get better. It's a, a week and a half, two weeks ago. Now we celebrated 37 years since she picked me up and, um, and look at this. I mean, look, where is she going to go? Um, <laughs> she, I'm sure she's got a few places. Yeah. I've got her locked down. Yeah. She's put in just about four decades. What is she going to do? Um, but but no, we're, we, we, we make sure. And, and look, when you got young kids, it's, it's hard to make time, but now, now we're old and it's the two of us and the dogs and, and we're, we've gotten very good at making time for each other. Um, look, you know, it happened to rom very romantic. Something happened today. We, uh, got up, uh, both of us, we get up early and she was going to go for a run. And I'm like, I'll meet you at the beach with mimosas. And, um, and so she went out and did her half hour run and I'm waiting on the beach with her with the thermos full of mimosas. And we, we watched the, uh, the waves for a while and headed home. And then it's only eight 15 in the morning. Uh, we got a nice, nice, uh, day drinking buzz on to get the day started. And it was a delightful day, but, but that was, that was like 40 minutes of self-care and it was delightful. And and look, I know there are all kinds of reasons you can't make time for something like that every day, especially if you've got young kids and, and a job you have to be to at a certain time. But looking for those little things that you can do to keep the the relationship with the person that's most important to you is probably a, a really good place to start with the self-care because those relationships are are kind of foundational for for most people not everybody but but a lot of people really rely on those and and when they feel stress in those relationships it just adds to the stress they're feeling in other parts of their lives i think or it's just bullshit i don't know That's well no i feel like i have to go like i need to go reconnect with my husband once we're done here and just be like hey yeah and I, then I he's gonna be you he's gonna be like what the fuck <laughs> like where's this coming from i know it's a happy hour but you didn't take the whole bottle in there with you so what's going on <laughs> so any final thoughts before we wrap this up because i want to throw a, another hypothetical at you like we did last time we talked about mushrooms um my final thoughts are go outside 
and just fucking do it. Put in your calendar, you know, tell somebody you're going to do it so they can hold you accountable. Just do it. Okay, you know what? Well. I scheduled drinking tonight and I had the conversation <laughs> with my coworker because she was like, I need a beverage this evening. I said, I actually already have it on my calendar. And she goes, excuse me? I was like, well, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to a podcast in which I will have mm-hmm. a drink. But hey, it's on the calendar. So I have to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So there, yeah. It's, 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 it's on the calendar, guys. Yeah, it's an obligation. And what have you been drinking? Oh, uh, this is a spicy Bloody Mary. A spicy Bloody Mary at night? Well, yeah. It, okay. So deep South Texas, friend, it is 118 degrees outside. If I'm going to have it, it's going to have to be dark. Well, it's still not dark. I mean, we still got sun for another hour, but I can't drink this when it's hot outside. Okay, I just thought Bloody Marys were a morning drink, but okay, I don't want to. I don't want to. No, what? Our our Bloody Marys. I I know them as micheladas. Would that be the same thing? Okay, so michelada, very similar. Just micheladas with beer. Bloody Marys with vodka. Okay. Oh, that sounds stronger. I started with a michelada. And okay. then I switched over to the Bloody Mary because I was ready for this stuff. So <laughs> I don't like all those calories. I just go with the vodka. Um, <laughs> vegetables. I mean, so, there's vegetables. Yeah, you get in your here. vegetables yeah. in there. Okay, so now that you're partly liquored up, it's a perfect time for this hypothetical. So, uh, um, if you could replace your blood with something else, <laughs> um, your body would still function the same. Whatever you replace your blood with would do the job of your blood but you could have something else running through your veins besides blood, what would you pick? Now think about it for a moment. I'll, I'll tell you mine. First, I thought ants. First, I thought <laughs> ants. Um, but then I've, I, I thought some more about this today, and I thought I, I'd go with mosquitoes um, because I think they've got experience with blood, so they'd be good at transporting um, the, all the doing all the blood stuff because they've got. But but I, I I my why for the mosquitoes is um, I know my blood is in there doing blood stuff, but I can't really feel it. But I feel if there are like <laughs> mosquitoes just buzzing around inside of my body, I think it would be a good sensation. I think I would like the feel of that. It would make me feel more alive. But then also if I if I if I cut myself, just these hundreds and thousands of mosquitoes would come flying out. And I think that would be be really dramatic. Um so my choice is mosquitoes. What would you replace your blood with? I'm sorry, you said the guy who got a face full of gnats this morning. Yeah. Unleash thousands of mosquitoes. That? That's, that's totally different. You got you want to go first, Cleavet? Yeah, you do? you're 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 just making excuses not to answer. What would be your choice? <laughs> go, Sally. Oh, okay. Um, so <laughs> you push the hypotheticals of mosquitoes. So when you first said it, the very first thing I thought in my head was, Will I be able to feel it? If I can feel it, I would like it to be like a viscous uh watery sand, so gritty. Um, but you can feel it. So I, I don't know why, but that sounds like it would feel really cool if you could just so more that feel kinetic this. sand stuff they yes. can play with. Uh no, whatever. Uh, so a little bit more that. like like the uh, play doh slime, like stretchy but 
Plato's line. No. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I don't have any in, in this. No. So when you put your feet in the sand and you kind of work sure. them down as the ocean's sure. coming up, and you that right okay. there, like oh, you make the, okay. the drip castles. That well, and, and I think that would be good because um, they say all that stuff that 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 plaque and stuff that builds up in your in your veins and arteries. I think that would that would kind of scour it out. It'd be kind of like a loofah situation going on. <laughs> Okay, I can you, see. You wouldn't have to worry that. about showering. You'd be clean from sure. the inside out. Yeah, I think you know. I think I could. I could go with that, Clevette. What do you? What would you replace your blood with? I was thinking uh, grape Kool Aid, but then you started to think saying. Um, but then I was like, okay, I would just want to cut myself to just drink my grape blood. Sure. Um, but then you started talking about feeling, and it's just I can't. The thought of something just crawling on me, like I can't. Sometimes I get creeped out when my hair falls and it touches my skin and I'm like, ah. Oh no, um, that's a karate chop situation. Like, <laughs> but then I was think I was thinking Orbeez. And and I, I like your idea because then you could maybe see it and then it'd be lumpy and then you can like play with it. Maybe you can play okay. some tic-tac-toe. Uh, I don't uh, know. Who, uh, or an or what? The little Orby balls that you put in water and then they expand. Oh, oh but then that's the problem because if okay. there's blood, it could. What if I explode? I don't know. Yeah, I, I no, like no, grape, that is a real concern. I yeah. like the grape Kool Aid idea because that way you could you could could just open a vein and and drink your blood every time yeah. you're thirsty. But but yeah. if you needed a transfusion, the Kool Aid guy would come bursting through the wall <laughs> and and hook up an IV. So you know <laughs> you're true. set. I don't know about yeah. grape, um, but <laughs> I like you know, grape. Oh no, everybody's got their own choice. I don't know if that would be my go-to, but it's been a <laughs> it's been a long time since I had any Kool Aid, so uh, so I, I just think, think my dreams that. are going to be really weird tonight. We're going to have some like grape Kool Aid infested <laughs> mosquitoes yeah. just coming Damn. in on a wave of Orbeez. Like you're, I can feel you're, it coming. <laughs> you're you're welcome. Uh, we got to wrap this up, but one I got to find out, Clevet on the. Uh, on the Playhaven site, you posted some pictures of uh, of your your kids made bunk beds, and I got to I got to know how that yeah. went. Uh, uh, tell tell the story and and let me know how how that's proceeded. Okay, so my friend uh, gifted me this giant um, shelving thing, and it has three big shelves. And when they first got it, um, when I first got it, they immediately when they saw it, they were like. <gasps> bunk beds and I was like uh okay and then I was cleaning it out and uh, the other day and um they did the same thing again and they took everything out because we use it for our shoes our cubby shoe thing and then they took all the shoes out and then put blankets and pillows and they climbed in there and they used this super cool uh, step stool that I totally recommend everyone get. It's foldable, you can fit it anywhere. Three-year-olds can carry it. Um, and they used that and no, they didn't sleep there at night. They they played, they had their fun. And then um, my eight-year-old said, I can't fit in here, I'm stuck. And then the other one was trying to help. And then, yeah, so. He got kind of tired of it, and then she kind of just followed his lead, so they were done. Oh, man, these pictures. And and you say big, but th <laughs> this shelf is maybe, what, two foot wide at the widest, and there's this eight-year-old <laughs> curled up in there. It's big the... for me because I'm small. It's, well, well, it's almost as tall as I am. Well, I'm not sure. that tall. 
but it's not bunk bed size. And it was great. He's just well, curled yeah. up there playing with his little yeah. sister. And it, it was, it was delightful. I yeah. probably good. He didn't sleep there. Cause he would probably, probably, probably be a little bit stiff the next day or. And the same thing happened the other day. I put together this Ikea changing table that I was going to use as like a little coffee cart thing. And then my neighbor was over playing with my daughter and they did, they did the same thing. They were asking me, can I go on top of it? And I said, oh, not this one because it's missing a screw. So no, but you can go under. And they were doing that. And then my daughter pulled out, like was, what, what is that? Dragging the chair and she like was pushing it and she was climbing on the chair and then trying to get, she put dolls and stuffed animals at the top and she was covered. So she was playing and I was just kind of watching her and I was like, oh, interesting. So much learning happening. And a little bit of self-care. All those kids taking care of their own needs. Um, <laughs> yeah. This here has been the Child Care Bar and Grill. Back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Let me know what you would replace your blood with because what else you got to do? Um, back soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.